Hello and welcome to another episode of Realize in Dreams Club's TV and movie podcast. Today we are going to do um, another interlude. This is the impish interlude um, for reasons you will that will become clear later on in the podcast. Um, but I'm joined by my good friend Andy. How are you, Andy? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, and yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. I've, I've gone back to keto today, so Ooh, um, a little little headache, little headache going yeah. on. Um, but I feel all right feel good good um that's good to hear as you know whenever we start an episode of realize we always check in with the dc extended universe the dc movies yes every episode we've done that so far have you heard the dc news have you heard this i i might have heard something but i'd like you to tell it to me michael keaton Mm. as in batman 89 as in batman 91 Batman Returns? Was it 91? I don't know. Um, Birdman. He was the Falcon. He's mm. going to play Batman again. Uh, that There's so much to unpack in just what you've said there. Um, why, how, and when? Well, the, th- the theory is, apparently, this might not be like fully done, by the way, but the, the theory okay. is that they're going to do, um, when the Flash movie actually happens... They're gonna do yeah. a. They're gonna do the story that's called like Flashpoint, and um, okay. a lot of that is all about like, oh, going through time, going to another alternate universe, going through this. So it might be that they actually kind of like he he will like travel in reversing to that Batman eighty nine universe I see. and see this like Bruce Wayne that's got older and is you know maybe doing this and that. Pretty cool because I I wasn't sure whether it was like a. Oh yeah, we've got this uh, Robert Pattinson film coming out, but yeah, we've kind of dropped him already. Like before it's come out, like oh, we're we're just gonna go back to back to Michael Keaton. It's gonna be weird because the thing as well is with the like with the Justice League Schneider cut uh, coming out. Um, mm. Whenever that is, is it like February? I can't. Mm, no, I it's something like that. next summer yeah, or something on HBO. Um, there's loads of people like. Um, and I don't know, I, I feel like someone's tried negotiating as well. But there's loads of people trying to get Ben Affleck back to do that, yeah. to do that movie that he was going to do as well, the single one, which can you imagine that mm. if next year we end up with like three different Batmans. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sick. All the Batman. So um, that was us checking in on the DC universe. We, we, yeah. just, we always do that. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm really um, glad. Yeah. In these interlude episodes, we, uh, we, we've done one before. We just want to kind of do a quick rundown on some of the thing that, uh, in fact, mine are all movies actually. Oh, no, actually, one mm, of mine is a same. TV show. Um, I've, got, I've got two movies, yeah. Two movies. So we just want to run down some of the stuff that we want to talk about on a podcast, but maybe not do a whole episode devoted to it itself. Because are you... Exactly. I've not seen the stuff you're going to talk about, and you haven't seen most of the stuff that I'm going to talk about. So it's more just to sort of exactly. explain what it is and what our thoughts were um, generally about it. Um, yeah. Do you, want to, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick us it. off with... Um, it's a film called uh, Leave No Trace. I've just dropped my pencil. Cool. Uh, not pencil pen obviously um <laughs> film called leave no trace uh 2018 so two years ago um it's directed by um a lady called deborah granick and um i think she also wrote it and it's based off a book um called my abandonment by peter rock um written by peter rock not my abandonment by peter rock <laughs> um and it kind of follows the story of a military veteran kind of father who's got ptsd um, from um, being in the Iraq war. And he lives in the forest with his daughter. Um, the dad, whose name I believe is Will, is played by Ben Foster. Um, and the daughter um, is played by Thomas and Mackenzie, who 
is popping up in films all over the place now. And this was kind of one of her breakout performances. Um, I think she was in Jojo Rabbit um, oh, okay. as the little Jewish girl in it. Um, so she's, yeah, she's getting pretty big. And this was her, her first big, big film. And it's, it's really interesting because I was watching, I was like, oh, this is, this is a really touching, heartfelt story, and a very kind of humanly told story. And what I really liked about it was that I think just that idea of having um, an army vet who's got PTSD and he can't live in society. So he's taking his 13 year old daughter and lives in the middle of a forest in America. Um, I think you could make that quite sensational at times and, and kind of make it a bit more dramatic um, to, to be a story. Whereas this never really came across like that. It, 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 it stayed very neutral and human and real feeling. There wasn't any like sudden, oh my goodness, reveal. Like there was drama that happens in it, but it's very much the kind of drama that you see in your own lives. Um, and it's very, very beautifully shot and um, it's a really nice tempo and flow to the to the film. And it's kind of, um, they, they live in this kind of, in quotes, idyllic um, life in the forest and he's teaching her how to live off the land and then this event kind of happens and their whole life kind of gets turned a bit upside down and it deals with kind of integration to society and and how um, obviously this is all based in America but how they kind of maybe um, do or don't support army veterans or people who have been through kind of deeply traumatic experiences and, and whether that support is, is good enough or not. And through that, then it, it also examines um, how society deals with people that maybe feel like a bit of an outcast and, and whether how accepting people are um, or, or how easy it is for someone to, to feel like they're part of a society and and the film goes through various different emotions surrounding those those kind of themes um but i yeah the the, the reason why it kind of stuck with me is just how um I, I kind of i've used the word before but kind of human it felt whilst telling the story and, and kind of um down to earth um and very careful in what it was saying without kind of being judgy at all or anything like that um and there's an in an interesting fact about the film is um that on the you know the, the the review site Rotten Tomatoes, which pulls together a load of reviews, yeah, yeah. Um, the way Rotten Tomatoes works, and um, I know I think you know this, Chris, but if you if you listen, you might not. Is that Rotten Tomatoes works on a basis of a recommendation basis? So you could, if you uh, if you're working on a scoring basis, you could give a film like three out of five, and you would say yes, I do recommend the film. So on on Rotten Tomatoes, you log in, you put in your score, and you say I would recommend it, and that gives you a a, a, a tomato um instead of a, a green like spoiled tomato um and that that percentage on rotten tomatoes is, in a, is an average of how many people recommended it whereas how many don't recommend it um so that's why 100 percent rotten tomato does get seen quite often because it just means everyone liked the film enough to recommend it the interesting thing about this film is that after paddington 2 which currently holds the top spot, <laughs> it is the second most reviewed film to hold an approval rating of 100%. Oh, wow. So, so Paddington 2 is the, the most reviewed film that's maintained 100%, and, but this is the, uh, the film after that. And I think, I think when, you, when you see it it, 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 it makes a lot of sense why people are, would recommend it um, because it's not, I don't think it's particularly like, challenging to watch or anything, but it's just, um, 
it talks a lot about human nature and, and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would I would give it my recommendation if I was a, a Rotten Tomato reviewer um, wholeheartedly. Nice. That. Um, yeah. I've got to say so I, I subscribed to um, Disney Plus um, mm. just before it came out because there was a nice discount on it, which I thought was very nice. Um, yeah. And I just I haven't really been using it. I felt a bit bad. Mm. Um, mm. I actually I have to I have to confess I haven't watched a single thing on it, and I've been signed up since the first day. <laughs> yeah, we um we we signed up the first day, and then um I think the first thing that was watched on it was the High School Musical by my wife. Um, nice. So I, I sort of logged in, and when I was like, oh, and then it, it came up saying, oh, would you like to carry on watching High School Musical two? This I'm like, oh, no. Um, oh wait, so this isn't what you're about to talk about? No, it's, it's, it, oh, it's not. Man. Um, that's a that's a big shame. Yeah, we 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 decided we need to watch a few things on there. So um, we sat down the other day and we watched uh, Moana. Oh yeah. So obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. I knew a sort of kind of like a this kind of is basically like a Disney princessy film, um, mm. kind of uh, mu- musical as well. All the music written by um, Lin Manuel Miranda, who mm. did who did obviously Hamilton and uh, various other stuff. Um, and yeah, it was it was good fun. I, I it was got a really like light hearted feeling to it, and there are some like touching moments as well. It's it's pretty sort of standard like classic Disney princessy story, I'd say. Yeah. Um, there's some really good like funny bits as well. There's a um, there's part where they go to this place and um, there's this big like crab, which is um, voiced by Jermaine Clement, who is one of the guys from mm. Flight of the Concords. Um, and he's got a song that's absolutely brilliant. Um, and the whole like is, stuff around it is absolutely great. Am I right in thinking? Um, because this is, I think, one of the films that we we've both seen. Then, um, uh, my my memory is a little hazy of Moana because I think I watched it on a flight. Um, is Moana the one with the chicken in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the comedic relief chicken yeah. type of thing. I feel like I I've chuckled quite a few times to various aspects. Yeah, the chi- the chicken's chicken. great because um. It's just it's just like stupidly dumb and like the um the rock who play I can't remember the name of his character now. I feel like I should remember it. Mm. Uh I'll have a quick look. Yeah. You. Well anyway, his when he like tries to steal her boat at the beginning, he just look finds this chicken, he's like, Oh great, a snack. Halfway then he tries to like fa- uh, like fatten it up, but the chicken can't eat anything. It's just like bounding its face off the uh, off the floor of the boat. Absolutely. Have you got the name? Uh, why, is, why is this so... Ma- Maui. Maui, that's it. Maui? Yeah, Maui. yeah, yeah. So good, yeah. And, and um, like, The Rock's, the rock's great in it. The Rock's... I, I, just, I could mm. watch anything that Rock's been in, to be honest, and get some <laughs> kind of entertainment from it. Um, Yeah, so really good. We had other... We had a couple of other friends who were sort of... um, They're, like, well into their Disney, and we, we were like, oh, yeah, we haven't watched Moana yet. And they were like, what? So, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed mm. it. Um, The other thing, though... Uh, that I watched on Disney Plus that mm. super excited about was the Mighty Ducks. Wow! Now that is a that is a blast from the past. Yeah, awesome. I think I'd only have maybe seen this film like once or twice when I was like uh, quite a lot younger. Um, yeah, I, I've watched that film many, many like on repeat. What an absolutely ridiculous film, but like so good. Yeah, I I can't remember with um I have I haven't seen it literally since I was probably about fourteen, I reckon. Um, it came out the year after we were born. Wow, it's so was hard. It? Um, yeah, the I think I've seen Mighty Ducks one, and I think I've seen Mighty Ducks two. Yeah, um, 
is this one the one that you watched is it at the end is there an outrageous like shoot off um Where? there's not a shoot off no there's there is a penalty to win it maybe maybe it's just the penalty to win it that i'm thinking of Man, those jump! I used to, you know, I actually used to have one of the jumpers. Oh, that's so sick! I, as, a, I, as a kid growing up, I was up, watching I this a, just wanting to because I quite like ice hockey. I was, I got well into it a few years ago, and I, tr- I just want a hockey jersey so bad. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, so I, I, I really want to go on and watch because I don't think I've ever watched two and three. Um, but the, D, like the D two, D two, Mikey Ducks are back. But like the premise <laughs> of this film, do you remember how it like starts? Do you remember like why? Absolutely not. So he, no idea. So Emilio Estevez is obviously the main character, and he he used yeah. to play like kid hockey when he was when he was young, and he's mm. got this like PTSD from when he went went to take a penalty to win like the state finals, and he and he hit the post, and his <laughs> and his um, coach was like, oh, you've let everyone down, like all that. It was like horrible to him, so he never played Lambasting hockey again. Him. And um, then he becomes, I think he's like a, he's like a lawyer. And then he basically goes home and um, gets caught by the police driving under influence. Like he's drunk while he's driving. Mm, and then I, his, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Then his community service is to go and <laughs> become like ice hockey coach. <laughs> so crazy. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was just like a really good little feel good film. And I just the outrageousness of they, like they find this guy who, beats up these bullies that are trying to um, chase them and then they work out that he can hit a hockey puck like so hard that it makes yeah, everyone else run yeah. away and he, he like breaks the net. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Is it is it in the first one where you have the, the is it the flying V or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do they do that in that so one. So yeah, good, yeah. so good. Um, I remember I was, I was obsessed with that, that formation and on playground football in primary school, I used to try and work out like a like a five person version of that <laughs> kind of like moving forward, p- passing between the lines, uh, kind of cutting up all the other kids on the playground. Um, it never really worked, but it looked pretty cool. My favorite thing about it as well is that um, one of the kids in his team, um, he, he basically he ends up like trying to get he ends up getting with this kid's mum. Wow. And the kid is just like, but he's like really try he's like hey you should you should ask my mum out you should you should do this and he's like trying to engineer it it's like oh, it's a bit weird mate it's a little bit odd how he was uh Amazing. so so accepting of this man to come in and just you know pork his mum <laughs> um yeah sick, sick film so good mighty ducks yeah I, I couldn't believe when i saw it was on um i think there's a section on disney plus that was like oh throwback throwback films or something mm. like that and I, it was it was in there so that that was a Excellent. massive, massive plus finding that there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so have you have you got any more Disney related? Um, no, I've got no more Disney. Kind of no. Okay, I don't. Okay, well, should I should I bounce back to mine and then you can you can you can finish off your last couple. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Cool. Okay, well, I'm going to take the tone down several thousand notches excellent um and talk about a film called the nightingale okay um this is directed by jennifer kent who is her first film was um the nice um which i know you you're a big i love the bubbly yeah sick yeah excellent 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 horror film and um yeah, so that I think that was back in like 2014, and this was just her her next film. Um, so four years later, again 2018 here, 
And um, it's set in like 1825 um, Australia. So it's as the kind of British colonies are, um, are colonizing um, the Australian Aborigines. And it follows the, the story of, um, I think it's a girl called Claire, who is an Irish convict um, who has been brought over to Australia in order to make kind of work through her. I think she stole something um, and she has to work through her punishment and then eventually maybe she'll be let go. Um, and she has a family um, which has also come with her. And um, it, it, it starts out just with this um, small group of soldiers who are kind of just working in the middle of nowhere, really. And this guy, this uh, Lieutenant Hawkins, um, I think that's the main guy. Um, he's trying to get a promotion, um, basically. And it, it goes from there. And you get introduced to this Aboriginal tracker called Billy. Um, and there's this kind of unlikely pairing of two characters um, who both um, have their serious negatives about them and kind of both hate each other. But over the course of the kind of two and a half hours or so they they kind of get to know each other and maybe even become friends um but what's the reason why i'm mentioning it is i think about half an hour into this film or maybe just before that was the single most grueling and hard to watch scene in a film i've ever seen and um it is brutal it's raw it's like horrific um, and it's it's the kind of the moment where the story then takes on its form and, and, and what the rest of the film is kind of based off this horrific act happening. Um, and that scene in itself is 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 done in order to set up the, the rest of the film and and, and it, it 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 pulls with your it like toys with your emotions so powerfully and it makes you hate like passionately hate people. I was talking to another friend who watched it and he was like, he explained it to someone uh, that, about the film and he was like, I think I've still got PTSD from, from <laughs> watching that film and like having to retell it. Um, but what it also did was it's a really, at, at the heart of it and by the end, it's actually this very, very touching story of these, these two people getting to know each other and um, the kind of strife of this, this person's um, loss that she's had. And from there, it then highlights um, with a astonishingly horrible light the kind of atrocities that have gone on with humanity in, in the past and specifically um, with the, the British going over to Australia and um, essentially wiping out the entire Aboriginal um, uh, race over there. Mm. And I, I know, I think it was, I think it's something called the Black War, which is what, what it's kind of named um, now. And people kind of go back and forward about whether it should be considered a genocide or not. Um, and I think it probably should be. Um, but what this film did so powerfully to me was I've watched so many films of, oh, the British redcoats going across and taking over countries and oh, up the empire and stuff like yeah. that. And after finishing this film, I, I kind of finished and I thought to myself, I was like, I kind of feel sick about um, such a large part of history, which I've watched so many films and TV series and heard stories of which I used to put up on a pedestal and think, oh, this is amazing. And now I feel really gross and disgusting about 
the the ins and the outs and the what actually kind of happened with a lot of those um a lot of those moments in time and that has left such an like profound effect on me um that I, I i can't think of many films where i've so physically and emotionally like reacted um to something so i, I would i would it's it's a hard film to recommend because it is so so hard to watch at times and even even after this there's this the scene that happens near the beginning even after that there's still some really intense and gruesome scenes that happen but it's it's not it's not to the to the extent of like a slasher type of horror film this is more brutally realistic um and i I would recommend if you can if if you can kind of if you can grit your teeth through uh hard scenes i would i would recommend it 100 because i thought it was so incredibly powerful as a story but i would massively preface that by saying like be prepared to be really shocked and and tested um, with keeping your eyes open whilst watching something but i I do think it's a like a um yeah so powerful and and in my opinion it was very important in being like oh wow this has shone a complete different light that i'd never ever considered before um so yeah that's that's the nightingale cool wrapped up yeah definitely uh definitely want to watch that at some point when I get a chance to. Yes, absolutely. Um, on a similar vein, I watched a fun. <laughs> I watched a fun Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, this is something which I, I've been meaning yeah. to watch for so long. Me too. And I, Me too. I've only heard incredible things. Yeah. So it's obviously um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's the um, animated uh, spy movie that came out a couple of years ago, I think now. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, I don't even really want to say too much about it because um, it's just so good. Like the the animation style, the music, yeah. the story. It's emotional. It's funny. Like there's there's some like laugh out loud, um, funny moments in this film. Um, and uh, this is the other thing. You know, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Um, in in a few different camps of people, you could be to actually get the most. And, I think the vast majority of people who are going to go and watch this film will probably have seen a lot of the other Spider-Man movies or know something of mm. Spider-Man. Um, so if you've just happened to have seen a couple of the old Spider-Man films, you're going to get a lot from it. If you're a massive Spider-Man mm. nerd, you're going to get loads from it. Um, mm. And I think uh, just the fact that it's gone with this specific story and obviously Miles Morales... Um, is the main character in this. It's not, Peter Parker isn't really the main character. Um, sure. Just gives it that sort of slight freshness that Spider-Man just obviously doesn't have because he's had, you know, like 20 films in the last 20 years. Um, of course. Yeah, like, I, I don't even really want to say anything more about it. I mean, I mean, when you think of like, it's the the rogue, Spider-Man's rogues gallery, like pretty much everyone you want to see is, you know, pops up at some point. Um, you've got yeah. obviously, you know, the, the whole point of the thing, the, the Spider-Verse is that there's like the alternate universe kind of um, Spider-Man's popping in, popping out. And you get some great ones like, um, uh, who's the guy? I, why can't I think of this actor's name? Um, the guy from, uh, oh, bloody hell, The Rock, Nick, Nicholas Cage. 
Nick, Nicholas Cage. Cage. So like Nicholas <laughs> Cage plays. I was I was just looking at the, yeah. the actors in it, and I was I looked at his name, and I was like, is he tr- is he going to say Nicholas yeah. Cage? <laughs> Nicholas Cage playing like Spider Man Noir, I think it's called. Like um, Spider Gwen's nice. in it. There's oh, honestly, man, the um, there's like an after credit scene. Which mm. you know how like Marvel do their after credit scenes and it's always like oh my gosh like sure. it's Thanos or whatever big reveal. Or, this yeah. is one of like the funniest, the most f- stupid funny after credit scene ever, and um, it, the voicing the character in it is Oscar Isaac and it's like that's the only bit nice. that's the only bit of the film he's in <laughs> is this bit right Amazing. at the end of the credits and it's so stupid and funny. Um, Love that. Yeah, really cool. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm I, quite. I'm. A, I'd say I'm like a fairly big Spider-Man fan. I used to love the the cartoon like back in the nineties. The um, mm. I watched all the films. Loved them. You know, loved most of them. Um, it like for example, if it was like if you're going to give a fan the chance to make an animated Spider-Man film and say no, no limits. What do you want to do? Go for it. It's kind of like this. It's like mm. well. Mm. Oh, I really want to reference old films. Oh, how funny would it be if we could take the piss out of that bit where he like does that stupid dance in Spider-Man Three down the road? They're like, and they're like, oh, they but, nice. but Sony won't let us do that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, it's in there. Like, it's so good. It's such a cool film, and, and really, um, yeah, it's quite it's really touching as well. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's it's so good to hear as well because it. I I, I feel like there must have been there must have been. Um, a lead up to it but i felt like in in my kind of world it just kind of came out of nowhere um in between all the other spider-man yeah. films but obviously it's when was the do you know when the last live action one was uh so it was far from is that a few years before this far from home we haven't had what oh far from home that was like yeah last year, yeah i think it? it was last year because it was after yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah okay um i saw as well in in here that it won the uh academy award for best animated yeah. film uh, I, um, which is the f- first time it was the first non-disney pixar film to win it since rango in 2011 nice. and it's the first time since happy feet in 2006 where it's won it when disney or pixar was also in contention yeah um, I, I think i said so, like i finished yeah, it and i was stuff. like man when i think of like my favorite all, all the superhero films that i think are like the best i think of like the nolan yeah. trilogy that we're like in the middle of re-watching for this podcast um I think yeah. of things like I think of things like Logan. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This this is in that bracket for me. Like for me, Maybe, it's like yeah, probably great. my favorite Marvel film. Like nice. for sure. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. So like huge record. If you somehow haven't seen that, like I managed to not to for like a couple of years, even though I wanted to see it. And myself, yeah, yeah. De- definitely yeah. worth watching. I think I watched it on Sky. I think it was on Sky Free somewhere. But you can get it. I think it's on Amazon as well. You can rent it or whatever. But yeah. So worth it. So worth nice. it, that film. Um, good stuff right you're you you done you don't you've got no more stuttering. i yeah i think i think those are the main two um that i've got because i think i've got a couple of other films but i think we're going to maybe make them into something a bit bigger or, or potentially down the line Perfect. But yeah i think that i think that's me that's two two films that i'd like to get out there and, and so i want to come on to the kind of the one of the main reasons why i wanted to do this interlude episode now even though we're in, in the middle of the batman epi- uh the you know we're mm. about to do the dark knight and stuff like that as well the reason I wanted to do this, and I kind of lied earlier when I said I didn't have any more Disney Channel stuff, uh, Disney Plus stuff, because um, ah. I did have another thing that I watched on Disney Plus that I uh, I stayed up at to about one o'clock in the morning watching, um, which was the Artemis Fowl movie. Yes. Now, 
Uh, you've been quite excited for this. I, I've been wait. I, I'll, let's 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 die it back a little bit because I've been excited about. <laughs> well, when we go on. when we when we had our planning meeting like six months ago, working out what we were going to do, that Artemis Fowl was on the list of films to 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 talk about, including the films of like Dune, No Time to Die, yeah. Dark Knight. Um. So I, I've been I've been excited about a, an Artemis Fowl adaptation since like I read the the book back when I was probably like sure. 11 or something. Um, because Artemis Fowl was one of my, it was one of my favourite book series growing up. Uh, like when, when I was growing up, I had obviously things like Harry Potter, I had Artemis Fowl. And the another one of my major book series that I loved growing up was the Alex Rider books. Um, mm, sure, 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 sure. Now obviously Alex Rider, there was a film that they sort of adapted Stormbreaker, which is the first Alex Rider book with Alex Pettifer playing the main character. I don't know what year. I'm going to guess 2006, um, but I don't know if that's true. That was a guess. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check that. And it, and it just sort of happened that within the within the space of like, you know, a month of each other, um, the Artemis Fowl, what year was it? I'm just gonna say it was 2006. Yes, so that was a pretty good, pretty good show. Um, so the Artemis Fowl movie comes out, came out on Disney Plus, uh, I think, at the beginning of June, or maybe just something was June. And, and uh, there was an Alex Rider series um, released by Amazon mm. about a month or so before. Um, so this, this for okay. me was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting like two of you know, this is everything. yeah, two of my favorite um, like book series adapted. And what we ended up with was like two polar opposites in terms of how you could adapt something that is like dearly loved by people um how how are you th- how are you gonna do this are you gonna go from 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 high to low or from low to high uh, we're gonna go high to low <laughs> okay i so like it i like it the alex <laughs> ride thing just literally came out of nowhere i had no idea this was coming out i just logged into amazon prime one, or, uh, one day because i thought i'll oh, we'll see what's going on there and it just came up on the top, Alex Ryder series, blow. I think it's like eight episodes. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. And then it came up a thing as well with a rating. And like two or three of the episodes are rated 15. Oh, yeah. oh like, a, like a 12, 18, yeah. 15. Yeah, wow. like rated okay. 15. I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Now, this is obviously totally separate to the 2006, the, um, uh, the film that came out called Stormbreaker. Now, the... This series actually adapts the second book in the series, so it doesn't ah, start okay. with Stormbreaker like the like the film did. Um, it kind of it yeah. does it does have the beginning of Stormbreaker, and it's just where he works out um, that his like uncle was a spy, and he gets trapped into this like he beca- goes into like MI five. By the way, Alex Ryder is like a spy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I think I think I've actually read uh, Stormbreaker and maybe Point Blank. The second book, yeah. Point Blank. So, I think I think I've read the first two or three. Or so, so I think they made such a good decision because Point Blank is probably like probably the best book in the series, mm. um, and it's all about this um, uh, like private um, like military school almost up in the um, up in the yeah, the, the, the mountains in France or Switzerland or something where you know rich and famous parents send their like uh, unruly kids. Um, yeah. And then there's a whole like, and actually it's, it's like one of the craziest plots of them because the plot basically, spoilers for this season of, this this series of Alex <laughs> Rider or the book that's been out since like 2004 or something, or no, even earlier than that probably. Um, the whole thing is that this crazy doctor is 
taking is is making clones of all of these kids but like putting mm. his own genes like so he's like yeah he's well no he i think he's like a plastic ah. surgeon so he he has his own children and then gets them made to look like the, these kids so that he can kill the kids and send them back into the world as the kids of rich and powerful people yeah crazy yeah, story yeah. yeah so i'm like oh my yeah. gosh why would you go in with this one but it, do you know what it it does it so well and it actually feels like it feels like a mature version of of what the book was it feels like a a good adaptation yeah. for the kind of dump everything on amazon prime dump everything on netflix um era yeah. now is this something that everyone's going to love probably not i already love the source material of alex Ryder, so i was always going to be pretty sold on this but i was just looking it's quite well yeah I, I looked at that but i was looking at that while i watched it yeah. um, and it, it generally came out as sort of like the uh, like a three out of five or like a um something yeah. something like that and, and i was like damn i'm like really impressed with that mm. um the I, wa- I wonder if it, there's a level of um you were saying about them making it a slightly like more mature version of it in terms of like um fi- like some of the episodes were 15 ratings stuff i wonder if that's them thinking oh well the people who probably read this when it came out are now going to be roughly yeah. our age or so type of thing so they want something which is not catered for a 12 year old yeah i think so and and it's totally paid off because like you said it it was reviewed well and i i just i think i watched it in like two days or something i just absolutely blew through it Mm. um yeah and it just had such a good tone it's got a great cast um the the guy who plays alex Ryder, i don't know him i don't know i think he's he's fairly unknown he's called like otto something yeah at first i thought he was like scandinavian but then i think he's actually just quite posh I see. Yeah. Otto Farrant. Yeah. Otto um, he's really name? good. He's really cool. Um, other people in it. So the dude who is the head of MI5 is played by um uh who's the who's the guy from Game of Thrones who wanted to be king but was like a nut job and like with the red woman. Baratheon. Uh well, the actor is Stephen yeah. Dillon. Delaney. So he he's yeah. he's really cool. Barat- Stannis, Stannis Baratheon. And then another actor from Game of Thrones is the. Do you remember the little douchebag who like shoots Igret and then he ends up stabbing John in the back and then John hangs him. The, the boy. The boy. Yeah, he plays yeah, yeah, Alex yeah. Ryder's like best friend in it, and he's really good. He's actually quite it's funny. Brennick O'Connor is that him? the boy? He played Ollie. Ollie, that's it. Yeah, in yeah. Game of Thrones. Um, Ollie. But like everyone, everyone's a, like really good in it, and it's it's just done it's done to a mm. good standard. Um, it, the thing that I got from it is that the people that made this knew the story, they read the book and they said, okay, here are some tweaks we can make here and there, but we'll, ch- we'll stay true to this where we can and then try and improve on bits where, where we need to. Sure. Whereas the Artemis Fowl adaptation... <laughs> Switching onto Artemis I Fowl mean, now. So it, I, I've got kind of... I, I, I do have a list. I, I didn't write it down, but it's like a list in my head of like, all of the things that they just got totally wrong with this adaptation. And, yeah. and But the, the main problem for me seemed to be like, it's it's as though someone read the book, read the first Artemis Fowl book probably 15 years ago when it came out, then decided they were going to make a movie of it, but thought, uh, I'm not really, I'm not going to bother reading it again. I'm just going to go off kind of like, mm. oh yeah, this something like, Why yeah, something like that. this happens. So we'll put this into it. Um, and one of the things that they forgot uh, from when they read it 15 years ago was what Artemis Fowl is like as a character, which is like, mm. it's like, you know, I think the first time you see him in this, 
in this film, he's um, like he's surfing. Yeah. Now, okay. Artemis Fowl is in the books, especially in the first book, in the first few, would not be caught dead like running. Like he, like he is like he's where he wears a suit at all times. This guy's in like a wetsuit, and then he's always wearing a hoodie and stuff. Like that. It's like no, you, you're just doing it wrong. He's like he's yeah. the part part of the one of the themes of the book is uh, of the book series is like him trying to become more like a child and actually have a childhood rather than just trying to like become his dad who who he isn't supposed to be in this damn book but is just Colin Farrell's mm-hmm. dad. Um, <laughs> but the other key thing about Artemis Fowl, and the reason that it was such a good book series, was because Artemis Fowl was like especially in the first week he's kind of like the bad guy in a way he was he was a he's a thief he's oh, a, yeah he's he's an absolute he's supposed to be like a child genius but he was doing right. he was always doing bad stuff like the it starts with um the actual book starts with him and his butler going and like kind of blackmailing a fairy to give so that she will give all of her like knowledge and information to them about the fairy world and mm this like this Artemis Fowl in this in this film is just like nothing like that he's like Harry Potter light um yeah which I, I can tell you something infuriating is that I actually watched a um a one show a BBC one show episode which had both Kenneth Brenner uh, the director yeah. of it and a Ferdia Shaw I think is the is the boy's yeah. name in it and they specifically asked him like oh we, did you read us this funny he's like yeah i loved it I, they were one of my favorite books and stuff which probably is a bit of a knife to your dagger even a dagger to your heart even more thinking yeah. that did they even know the character and he was saying oh yeah i did i did know it by the way but obviously they didn't it, translate that yeah. correctly. And, and it's just like so many of the core things in in the book have just been have just been thrown out like his mum his mum mm. is the one who's still alive but she like has got some kind of illness and she doesn't even like recognize who he is because um, her husband she thinks is dead, but actually isn't, you find out later on. Um, but they've just totally flipped that round. Um, one of the things that just, and I mean, I honestly just got so irritated in this. Um, so <laughs> the but, uh, butler, whose name is, is his surname is Butler, um, and he happens to be a butler. Okay. Um, he yeah. lots of people were angry because they were like, "Oh, I can't believe Butler is black," but like that that didn't really bother me at all. Um, yeah. The thing with Butler is, in this film, he's kind of an idiot. Um, when mm-hmm. he's supposed to hundred percent not, he's supposed to be like a this like built like a brick shit house. Just like he basically like fights and beats a troll in the book with a bit of yeah. help, but in the in the film he kind of gets owned. Um. But he, one of the key character things with him is that he's called Butler, and that's what Ar- that's what Artemis calls, and that's what everyone calls him, because in his like line of work, in his tradition or anything, you don't let someone know your first name because it, it like it allows okay. too much like attachment and stuff like that. Whereas in the, so this film is kind of all narrated by Josh Gad, who plays one of the other characters um, later on, and Josh mm. Gad, Josh Gad's probably one of the only like reasonable bits about this film i think um sure and he introduces he's kind of in he's he's basically telling the story of the film you know how like think every every film does that where it's like oh i'll tell you how this happened and he goes oh this is butler but don't call him butler he he prefers to be called and then says his first name and like throughout the whole film everyone is calling his first name 
Butler does in the books eventually tell Artemis his first name, but only like three or four books in when he thinks he's about to die. It just and it, and it yeah, was like yeah, that was yeah. like within five minutes of the movie starting, and I just honestly sat there and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like to get to, yeah. firstly, I'm sat there, I'm watching Artemis Fowl bloody surf, and then get on like a um, what are those things where you like stand on them and move, and they go like a Segway, kind of like a Segway uh, yeah, but yeah, without yeah. the handle. Oh, like yeah, kind of like a hoverboard. A hoverboard. He, he finishes yeah. surfing. He gets in his hoverboard to go back to his house. I'm like, this isn't uh, right. So and then, um, and then they're like, oh, call me Dom, and it's like, fuck off. Oh, I hate it. Oh, it made me yeah. so angry. It just sounds like a, like a flagrant abuse of uh, an IP which has some knowledge in the world, and but they're just going to use that just to try and make money off it. Uh, and and it's just so um, irritating. Like the whole plot of the first one is that. Um, Artemis basically like captures one of the elves who's another main character who I thought was quite good the actress who who, who played Holly Shaw in it I thought she was fine um, and then the whole point of the book is that him trying to do a deal with them so that they would end up putting like a time uh, there's like weird shit it, it's, it's crazy um, but it, it works out being quite mm. clever whereas in this film um, there's like a weird piece of like um magic tech MacGuffin thrown in that's not in the books for no reason um his dad who's supposed to yeah. be like a villain like he is is just a really good guy trying to clear someone else's name and gets captured and that's the whole point of the film um but the the fact that he's just like this proper goody two-shoes little boy pretty much throughout the whole film just made me so angry because it just was not the character that like you grew up reading if you actually mm. read if, if you read the books um, it was like they it was like they specifically took looked at all the characters and went, what would be the worst thing? What would be the worst decision we could make for each of these characters? <laughs> and they just did it and they ran with it. And it was like, yeah. what is the what is the point? It should be it, th- this film should yeah. be held up whenever anyone ever wants to um, adapt any book ever, even whether it's a kids book or or June or whatever, whatever anyone is is yeah. adapting they should be forced to watch Artemis Fowl Learn and the go, mistakes. do not do this. Follow follow stuff in the book. Yeah. Change stuff where it has to be changed, but stick to what was good. Stick to why this book was so good. I think, I think, I, I've, I've just, I'm on the Wikipedia page and I think part of the reason is probably this, this sentence mm. here. Um, Originally intended to be launched as a franchise by Miramax in 2001, the film languished in development hell with several writers and directors attached until Walt Disney Pictures acquired the rights in 2013. Branner was hired in September 2015, and much of the cast joined in 2017. Filming began in March 2018, Mm. and then was released in 2020. That's a long time, even just like from like pre-starting thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. But clearly that's just and then the the wikipedia bit here enters ends with the film received negative reviews from critics with rotten tomatoes saying it would quote anger fans of the source material and leave newcomers befuddled yeah. i mean like the the other I thing can, the, I, I can feel I'm, your I'm anger i'm so angry about and like the other um so the bit i was gonna say earlier was that the whole point is that his plan in the book is so mm. to a t that it could not really fail and there's like there's a section sure. in in this film where him and Butler go out while the the fairies are like trying to like get into the house to take back the kid person who's kidnapped, and they just like fight them. They just like fight them, and it's like mm. why? As if his plan would ever hinge on oh potentially losing a fight. 
It's just just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Bet- betrays everything that the character. I think it made it, it made me feel so much worse about it having watched the Alex Ryder series, which I just thought was genuinely like yeah. really good and was from a similar era of books that I was reading when I was young. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty. Pretty miserable. Well, that, that's that's why I wanted to call it the impish interlude because of the fairies, Artemis Fowl yes. fairies and stuff. Um, very, very nice. Yeah, I, I wanted. To, I, I did want to think like, was there anything positive to say about about it at all? Like, and genuinely, was 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 the budget of a hundred and twenty five million dollars used in any no. good way? We get to wow, wow, that is because the, the CGI is terrible. Um, oh no. It's got Judy Dench in it, so she probably cost quite a bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, wow. wow. Yeah, so bad. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe... I can't <laughs> believe if they actually put this out. I can't believe that they, they thought, yeah, this is... They, they, when, when, when it was like coronavirus and they realised they weren't going to put this out in the cinemas, they probably thought, thank God. Thank God we're not yeah. going to lose. For, for yeah. The mauling it would have had. Outrageous. Absolutely mm. outrageous. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that we. I'm glad that I could do that. Um, yeah, I'm glad you could get that out. I really felt the um, the, the the anger and pain coming through through the through the headphones and screen yeah, absolutely. Um, so that pretty much uh, sums up our impish interlude uh, on this episode of Realize. Lots of exciting stuff to look forward to on uh, the Realize podcast. Uh, obviously. If you've listened to all them so far, you know we did Batman Begins a couple of episodes ago. Our next episode should yes. be the the Dark Knight. Yes, it should be, um, which we're so excited yep, to yep. talk about. Um, probably yeah, been a few years be. since I've watched it, so it'll be good to refresh up on that one. Um, and obviously, yeah. Dark Knight Rises we will do as well at some point. But lots of other exciting things to think about. Uh, where else can you uh, you find Absolutely. us, uh, Andy, over the internet? Yeah, you can you can. F- find us on the website which is at indreamsclub.com um where you can see the web page for realize and bomb squad which is our kind of playstation focused gaming podcast um and we also have some little tier lists Ooh. that pop up on there as well where we're kind of ranking various different things um and you can then also obviously find bomb squad on a on, on podcast apps um whichever one you use and also on Twitter, we are at in Dreams Club, um, where we tweet out and kind of say any of the episodes that are going up, and have a little have a little comment on each one. Um, and YouTube as well. We've we've kind of put up some of the um, the audio of some of our podcasts into a video form, and um, some of those actually have some video themselves. But obviously, with COVID nineteen, has put a bit of an end to that for the time yeah. being. But we will, we will, we will Every episode back. of Bomb Squad is now up, actually, uh, on it. No, Realize will be uh, a project at some point as well uh, in the near future to get them up. But yes. Yeah. Um, so that does it for this episode of Realize. We hope that you have um, joined us in realizing things. The <laughs> yeah, <is> really, terrible. <laughs> just <laughs> please, God. <laughs> um, so yeah. thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And we will see you on the next Realize.
Wow. <laughs> Someone didn't mute their Whoops. intro. <laughs> <laughs>